The following program is a presentation of the Radio Talking Book Service in Omaha, Nebraska. RTBS programming is intended solely for individuals who cannot read conventional print due to a disability. Ineligible listeners risk infringing on copyright law, and RTBS is not responsible for any violations that may occur. It's time now for today's edition of Community Conversations. It's the interview program in which we dialogue with voices from the Omaha community. And here's your host for Community Conversations. Let's welcome Cammie Carlisle. Well, good morning. I'm Cammie Carlisle, and today we have our very own Becca Jurdy in the studio. Becca is our new executive director here at RTBS. Becca, first of all, congratulations. Thank you so much. Very and ex- hello, everyone. Very exciting. Hello. Becca, I know that you've been here in this seat a few times, but it's been a while, I think, since we checked in. Oh, yeah. So let's sure. remind everybody, how about some background? I'd love it that you grew up in South Dakota. I did. Can you you elaborate and tell us where and all about it? Absolutely. So I was born and raised on the high plains of northwestern South Dakota. I grew up on a cattle ranch uh, that uh, my great-grandfather homesteaded there in 1912, um, built a home, had a family. My grandfather lived in that house uh, up until he died at 97. Uh, My father and mother are still up there. Uh, run in the ranch, uh, though dad is now in his 70s and has found new ways to do things as a 70-year-old, <laughs> which is a relief to his daughter that is right. so far away. Um, but yeah, so I grew up uh, with the world's like biggest backyard, it felt like, because all you had to really watch out for were cows, <laughs> and uh, most of them are pretty chill anyway. So Well, cool. So how many, what's the population of Riva? So the nearest town to us was Riva. That was our mailing address. Okay. It was 14 miles away. Um, it, when growing up, it had a population of six, I believe. Wow. Two, four, six, no, eight with the pastor and his wife. Oh, okay. So um, <laughs> I think now it has probably about six, six or eight folks in it. There is a general store, a post office. Um, you can get gas there. There is a Riva Hall and then um, a shed where they sell feed out of, and then, of course, two, two homes. So what else do you need? Yeah, blink and you shall miss it. <laughs> so you had to drive to school, like, literally, like, far away. Like, when we say in Omaha, oh, I have to drive to school, it's like a couple of miles. But how far away was yeah. your schooling? Yeah, so my elementary school was in a two-room schoolhouse, again, about 15 miles away in another tiny burb on the prairie called Prairie City, which is a far more illustrious name than it was. It's probably got a population about, I don't know, under 20. <laughs> um, there was K through 4 in one room and 5th through 8 in the other room, and I went to that school until 7th um, grade. And then high school or middle school was somewhere else down the road? Yes. Uh, <laughs> normally you would go through 8th grade in the country schools, but my dad said we were going to go to what we referred to as town school um, in, when I was in 7th grade and my little brother was in 5th grade. And that was 35 miles away. So the first year, we caught a ride with a neighbor of ours who was a senior. So we we rode with her most of the time. And then my eighth grade year, my mom would drive us 18 miles to catch the bus the rest of the way in because it was 35 miles one way. So then when I was 14, I got my license and my first and only brand new car that I've ever had in my entire life. (laughs) And uh, we drove 70 miles a day. Wow, that is dedication. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess you didn't really have a choice back <laughs> no. then, but still, yeah. I mean, I hear that and think, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is something like totally unique to where you grew up? Like, like it only happens there, it doesn't happen anywhere else. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can say that it doesn't happen anywhere else, but Riva, again, our mailing address, uh, hosts the annual turtle races Aww, and you in love July. Turtles. And I do love turtles. I think it's, uh, I think it might actually have been how my great love of turtles manifested at a young age. Yeah. <laughs> Softball tournaments on Saturday and then Sunday is just fun for the whole family with water balloon tosses, bubblegum blowing contests. I got third. Um, <laughs> there was a, like a dunk tank one time and it, what you could uh, dunk the fire chief who happened to be my father. So Ooh. that was very fun. Spent a lot of my <laughs> nickels <laughs> or whatever it was on that. And then at the end of the afternoon, they actually race the turtles. So cool. that was the, that was the shining I love that. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like a blast, actually. It, it was a ton On a of hot fun. summer day. It was really fun. Yeah. So you were there, you grew up there, and then you came down to the big city of Omaha for college, is that yes. correct? And you went to Creighton. Yes. So what was your major? I was a classical studies major. So I studied Latin and Greek, hmm. history of Rome, Greece, anything to do with the uh, classical, quote-unquote, classical world. Um, yeah, took some Near Eastern Empires classes, uh, spent three weeks in Greece for an art and archaeology class. Oh, how lucky are you? Yeah. Where in Greece were you? All over. All over? All, over. all the islands? Not all the, uh, not all the islands. We were on the mainland, and then we went to Crete, and then from Athens, like, through uh, the Peloponnese and up north, to We went as far as Delphi. And then back down again, and then we spent a couple days on Santorini. Wow, how wonderful. So you got to dig in? I mean, no were, digging. Were you doing? No, no okay. digging, just lots and lots of site visits. So uh-huh. we visited, you know, um, again, like Delphi, the, the Oracle, the temples at Delphi, of course, the Parthenon, uh, Sparta. We went to Sparta. Um, just, yeah, all over the place. Mykonos, which oh. is a, not Mykonos. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. But yes, so lots and lots of museums and actual, you know, the sites where we got to see um, Mycenae, like where Agamemnon mm-hmm. apparently was from. So, yeah. Nice. That sounds so heavenly. And obviously you probably ate lots of really, really great Greek food. So much. So much. Was- I ate so many Kalamata olives. <laughs> and <laughs> I actually like baklava myself. Mm. Almost to death. But yes. now you can eat it, right? I didn't ever, I didn't go to the edge. <laughs> Good. I managed to stay in love with baklava. But I think I tried it every single place we went. That's awesome. I would. I would, yeah. eat, I would eat it all. Yeah. Absolutely. All of it. So you went to college, and there were some things that happened along the way. That Do you want to talk about yeah. what happened? Yeah. So you were in college, and unfortunately, some things kind of took a turn. Yeah. Yeah. In 99, uh, I was in my junior year. Uh, at Creighton, and my brother passed away. Uh, he was in his freshman year at college, and um, he had diabetes. He had been diagnosed as a fifth grader. He had juvenile type 1, and he died from diabetic complications in his sleep. And, yeah, I mean, everything, I'm sure lots of folks know what that, kind of a wrench that can throw in things. Um, I did... I I waited tables for a long time, so I did that for a little while. I did eventually go back and finish my degree. But the thing that had really uh, started to cause a lot of issues in my life was my relationship with alcohol. Um, And so even though I managed to pull it together long enough to finish my degree, Mm -hmm. which had given me this little tiny 
shred of hope that things maybe could be different as soon as I was done with that. Um, I just fell back into a, in a time in a world where, you know, kind of that excessive drinking and that obliteration and oblivion, um, wasn't, it wasn't noticed, you know, uh, well, sure. food service, you know, especially I, I lived and worked downtown Omaha. And so it was just, I thought I was surrounded by people doing the exact same thing I was. Right. Um, and yeah, just did that for a long time and it wasn't necessarily dramatic or terrible. Um, uh, but in like internally, mm-hmm. it was just, it was just a slow, it was a slow death. I was, I was miserable. I was empty. Um, I felt completely disconnected. I couldn't keep even simple friendships and relationships together. I mean, it was just, uh, it was no way it was, it was a dismal way to live. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, along the way I had been collecting DUIs, mm. um, Oops. Don't recommend that. Uh, it's not a great collection to have. Right, right. Um, I don't like to show mine off. But it was one of the things that got me to where I am today. And in 2012, I received what hopefully is my last one. And that time when the people said, hey, I think maybe you need to reevaluate your relationship with alcohol, I I decided to, to do that. And... Um, I have been sober since July 22nd of 2012. Congratulations. That's Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. That's a big thing. And uh, that's, that's ten, almost 10 years. That'll be 10 years this summer. It will be 10 years oh, this that's summer. that's exciting. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. And that's, and that's what started this path. Um, I began as a volunteer here, mm-hmm. not of my own free will. Um, as I'd said, I'd been collecting a lot of DUIs, uh-huh. and eventually that comes right. uh, to legal Legal, legal problems. And so I it was court-ordered community service by uh, the Douglas County Court System. And I didn't have a lot of time to spare at that moment because I was doing a lot of other things that had to do with uh, getting and staying sober and trying sure. to make money and all of that. And so um, they, they kind of cast about in their filing cabinet of places that take on mm-hmm. the court-ordered community service. And they said, oh, hey, here's this little... There's this little radio station and you can do as little as an hour a week if you want, because it's recorded. And I said, that sounds great. And so I came up here and this was back in 2012, 2013. Okay. And uh, a lot of our listeners are going to remember Paul. Paul Stebbins was still here then. He was a wonderful guide to this. Sybil Mahan, of course, who was our longtime volunteer coordinator. And uh, yeah, so I did that. I, I don't even remember now. I don't. I think I had two or three hundred hours to complete for the for this Douglas County, and I'd had every intention of continuing on with my volunteer service. Mm-hmm. But I wrapped those hours up in the end of 2014. And again, some may uh, resonate with this, but sometimes when something's not required anymore, it's really easy to not find time for it, which was. Right. What had happened, mm-hmm. and so uh, Sybil called up, oh, spring of 2015, and said, "Hey, we've got this little part-time office summer gig, and it's paid. Would you be interested in interviewing?" And I said, "Yeah, sure. What the hey?" I was kind of on the fence. We, I was. It's we, still been waiting tables. Okay, I was going to ask that if you were still waiting tables at this time. Okay, yep, still waiting tables. I had contemplated grad school and even taken the GRE. Hmm. Uh, to go on and perhaps get my PhD in classics, mm. but I had kind of a long talk with a former professor, and she said, "I don't, I don't mean to sound discouraging, but 
this may not be the best time to get into that sort of higher learning. They just, they were turning away really qualified candidates. The, that humanities section and a lot of universities were disappearing. Right. Lots of adjunct models, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was kind of at a crossroads anyway. And so mm-hmm. I thought, what the hey, let's, let's see what this, what this sure. looks like. And as um, the ED at the time, he was interviewing me and it was clearly not going to be just a part-time summer gig. Mm. And I thought, Ah, it's too bad. I really do love this organization, but um, I'm going to have to say no because this just isn't, this isn't for me. And he got done with his spiel and he looked at me and said, well, what'd you think? And I said, yeah, sounds great. And I seriously almost had to like look behind me because I have no idea (laughs) where that came from. I have no idea who said that. It was not me. Hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, about a little under a year after that moment, I was sitting across the desk from Ralph Morocco, our uh-huh. board chair, and also reader. Some of you all may recognize that name and voice, of course. Right. Uh, and he looked at me and said, would you be willing to be the interim executive director? And again, in my in my head, I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Yet I opened my mouth and I said, yes, but I'm going to need some help. Mm-hmm. And those things just weren't in my... That's not in my original programming right. to say yes to things that terrify me and then also admit that I'm going to need help with something. So those were things that I'd learned, you know, um, in my steps. journey yeah. in recovery. And so they, I was the interim director for about six months, went through the process of, you know, applying for the ED position and they um, eventually hired Jane Nielsen, of course, who's been our right. executive director ever since then. Uh, who just retired, and uh, but they were so impressed with what I had done in that time that they actually left. Like, they we we made a new position so that I could stay on in the capacity that I'd been working. Amazing, um, yeah, and voila, here we are. Voila, that explains why you know everything <laughs> there is to know about this place because you literally have done it all, all of the things. You yes. really have. So that's yeah. amazing. And yeah. again, congratulations. I mean, on your sobriety. On your being sober for 10 years and for moving up here without really meaning to, it kind of sounds like like you're like, yes, I think maybe. Yeah. But seriously, what a great gig. This is a great place to be. It's so positive. Our volunteers are amazing. Yes. I mean, I just can't even get over. It's like a well-oiled machine here. It's, It's phenomenal. And watching the growth since 2016, 15 was kind of a weird, just a weird year period. It was my first time doing something other than waiting tables. Um, it was under, yeah, it was just, and but in 16, you know, hit the ground running and um, working with Jane was such a delight. I learned so much from her. Paul and Sybil both retired uh, in there somewhere. And um, then we got Ryan, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, could we be any luckier? Right. He's pretty uh, much the bomb. Yeah. Rhino. Amazing. Like with the things that I'd started to learn from Paul um, only got, deeper and more solidified in working with Ryan. We had some really great volunteer coordinators in the interim as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we just kind of had a hard time keeping that position filled. And, uh, of course, we're extremely excited to have hired, oh, you. Oh, gosh, thanks. Yay. <laughs> yes. And I think that's going to be, I just, I'm really excited for what the next level looks like for us. We've had a lot yeah. of changes as far as how we offer our services since 2016, we started streaming in 16. In 18, we started offering podcasts so that people can get their 
programming on demand. Mm -hmm. Um, We have increased the ways that you can access us. And really one of the things that has just been fantastic under Jane's leadership was uh, just the more and more folks are becoming aware of who we are, not just because grandma or grandpa used us. Right. But um, they're beginning to learn more about us. So like I said, we're just going to keep building on that momentum, both tech-wise, programming-wise. We've added so many amazing new programs in the last six years. Um, That's not going to change. We just recently added more Mm -hmm. programming. And yeah, and then just getting, raising that awareness and getting the word out. Communications director. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) You're going to be getting lots of emails from me, people. Yes. So, you know, I'm glad you brought up programming because I was looking around at some other reading services in the country and they're a little bit different from us. Um, some of them just read newspapers. Some are more. I just, what I, I really love the big variety in our programming. I just feel like there's something for everybody. We got lots of papers in there across the state. Um, what do you see in the future for programming? I know it's evolving as we speak. There's things on the, on the back burner. Absolutely. But is there anything that you would want to see more of or some big changes? I know that's a Ryan question, too, as he is. The king of all programming, but Program what do you think? Director. Uh, you know, I think, A, I, if we can start really drilling down on, there are some amazing local news sources, whether it be Omaha Magazine or Edge or Midlands Business Journal. So, mm-hmm. for example, that's one of the programs we just added recently. It's called Mind Your Business. And uh, we're reading the Strictly Business from Lincoln and Omaha, as well as the Midlands Business Journal. And... I think the importance of really drilling down on those local programming pieces is that while some of these larger publications, national publications, um, for the folks uh, in the visually impaired community that have the technology, they can get stories from the New Yorker Mm -hmm. in an audio version with fair ease. But who is – no one – Midland's Business Journal is not – hiring folks to read their, (laughs) like to become, Mm -hmm. you know, audio. And anyway, so I think that that's really important that we are trying to really connect the community with as much of the local stuff as we can. Um, And we do serve the whole state. And now that we have on-demand programming, we can expand programming beyond the hours that we are broadcast on the air as well. Mm -hmm. So if there are things, if we want to expand beyond the 24-hour layout, that were offered, mm-hmm. we now have that flexibility. Right. It's so. exciting. Yeah. Very it's exciting. very exciting. And again, looking at the other reading services, I mean, maybe I'm a little partial, but I really do. <laughs> I just love how much we have to offer. Yeah. So you've been here since 20, what'd you say, 13? Well, 15? 15 as an employee, yeah. So that's a while. Yeah. So in that time, is there a common myth about disabled folks, blind folks that you would like to debunk? Um, I will say that one of my... <laughs> For me personally, one of the earliest myths that was debunked was mm-hmm. um, that uh, uh, how to even put this that um, blind folks can uh, magically navigate spaces in which they are very very familiar with, like mm-hmm. because I don't know it's that idea of like all of the other senses becoming so much better that sure. They can just like flit through a room and miss all of the chairs and the, you know, if if they're familiar with the space. Uh, I remember the first time I saw Paul 
run into like a piece of furniture that had clearly been there for a very long time. Like it blew my brain because I really thought that that was some superpower. <laughs> and um, I think that that's, you know, and I mean, absolutely no offense in sharing that with everybody, but I think that there is, there are certain tropes that we're introduced to mm-hmm. um, that just, that aren't true. Right. And um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that would be, well, be I one ask- of them. Because when I first started here, I was asking you questions about, well, what about this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're just like everybody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I'm just like, and that is the truth. They yeah. are just like everybody else, yes. any disabled person. And I think that is a big thing that America needs to work on more. Of. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that I've really noticed more, uh, been more sensitive to, is when people just, uh, they just start gushing. They're like, I can't believe, you know, fill in the blank. Right. Whether it's Ryan or Paul or I can't believe they can do it so well. Oh jeez. Well yeah. of course they can. They're like, human. They're <laughs> yeah. all really talented, extraordinary human beings. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. just because they can't do it the way you do it doesn't mean Yeah. I don't know. Like so some of that also I'm just like, hey, let's let's Yeah. It's I'm not it's not that. a anomaly or this weird miracle. Right. Right. Exactly. There are lots of humans out there that yeah. can do things. That can do just, everything. Yeah, just, just like as good as you, just like us. And maybe even better. Even, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So as long as you've been here, your biggest career accomplishment, now that might be becoming executive director, mm. but is there anything else? I mean, have you implemented something that you're so proud of that maybe was not, not on anybody else's radar? Um, I think just overall the journey into, as I'd said, I, I waited tables for, for 20 years. I had... I had no real no no experience outside of that at all, and so a couple of years into the assistant directorship, um, especially under Jane's tutelage, uh, I decided that it was time to lean into that professional mm-hmm. side, um, and so I did that, and I've, I've tried to expand that. And um, in nineteen, in twenty, whatever, then the first year, I was accepted into the Women's Fund Circles Group, which is a women in leadership. Uh, um, cohort right. mm-hmm. that, that improves our leadership skills. And um, then last year I became part of the leadership team for the circles group. So cool. that's what I'll do this year and next year likely. Um, and so just different things like that. I, uh, I, I'm also a photographer. Um, I am an artist. I've been practicing that statement for years now. <laughs> I am an artist. Uh, it was something that I discovered again in recovery um, that there was this part of me that is a very creative being. And so uh, Omaha Magazine featured me. They did. I just read that. That was a great <laughs> article. Was, great I was photo, too. so shocked. Yeah, so shocked. At, um, I, yeah, a friend reached out and said, hey, we'd like to do an artist spotlight on you for Omaha Magazine. And I went, I'm sorry, I think you have the wrong number. <laughs> um, but so, I mean, that was, that was an amazing honor, uh, especially because the more I can share our story, um, you know, I get to talk about Radio Talking Book Service, but I also get to talk about uh, being a woman in recovery. And um, it's really important for me that I'm able to share that story. Yes. Mm-hmm. To, gosh, remove some stigmas, be a voice for those that don't have a voice. Um, also just model that, like, recovery is possible and it doesn't – it does. It may not look the way you think it looks. Right. Like, alcoholism – may not look the way you've always thought it does. And right. all of a sudden somebody may say, oh, shoot, well, gosh, she, her story sounds a lot like mine. And right. I didn't think that someone like me mm-hmm. could, could you know, have issue with that. And so 
Um, I just am appreciative that the more work that I've put in, particularly in being of service to others, has been so rewarding in not only, you know, a position like this, mm-hmm. um, but just in greater connection with with the world around me. Well, sure. And honestly, I believe good things happen to good people. And you're good people. So you've done all this hard work on yourself. And look where you are. I mean, I really think that maybe you weren't planning to be a nonprofit goddess, but here you are. Right. And you're killing it. Tell us more a little bit about your art. So you're a photographer and you have, is it a series? It is a series. Called Pedestrian Perks? Pedestrian Perks, yes. So, um... In 2012, when all things changed in my life, uh, the state of Nebraska said, please, Becca, uh, you have to stop driving your car. Um, it was not the first time they'd asked right. that of me, but it was the first time I said, oh, perhaps I will take it as more than just the suggestion <laughs> right? that I've always thought it was. Um, you actually mean it. So <laughs> I stopped I stopped driving, I actually physically got rid of my car, I gave it to a friend who needed a car. And it was right about that time I got my first smartphone. It was an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, I'm relying on my two little feet <laughs> and the public transportation here in Omaha Ooh. to navigate. And I am still to this day really grateful that at that point in time, my life existed within the best parts of Omaha transportation oh, good. because it is a challenge. Yes, it is. Um, anyway, so I had the smartphone. And as you, you when you're trying to get... Like, if you're just out on a stroll, say, with your friend, you get distracted by your conversation and mm-hmm. things above you and things around you. But when you're trying to catch a bus or then go from a bus for the 14-block right. slog that you have to get to the next place you're going, you look down a lot more. And all of a sudden, I was discovering all these really uh, fun tableaus that just occurred, um, whether it was random pieces of trash on the sidewalk or... Um, beautiful patterns that were made by shattered glass on the curb, mm-hmm. just just a wide variety of things. Um, and I realized that I had this handy little camera right in my pocket with me the whole time. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I would snap some pictures, um, always in situ. Like I don't, I don't interact with what I find in any way, shape, or form. I don't put filters on it or anything. Because okay. again, I was so new to iPhone or smartphones that I wouldn't have even known how to add a filter if <laughs> if I could have. But um, and I started throwing them up on uh, Instagram, and a friend of mine commented on one of them. She said, is this going to be a series? And I was like, I don't – is that what people do? <laughs> okay. And so it did become a series. And now years later, I mean, I think I started doing that in 13 or 14. Um, I'm still taking pedestrian perks. I did get my license back in June of 2020 after Yay. nine years of not having it. Yay. That was a huge, huge accomplishment. Um but I'm still taking pedestrian perks. Um, in 16, one of my pedestrian perks was uh, accepted into a street photography showcase at the Des Moines Art Center. Cool. Uh, in like at the same time as a Vivian Mayer exhibit. Wow. Um, That's pretty cool. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, my husband, who's also an artist, really likes to um, kind of bring that up a lot because he's been represented by a gallery in Des Moines for longer, twice as long as we've even known each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's mere blocks from the Des Moines Art Center. And he always says, I don't understand how, like, your first show out the gate is at the Des Moines Art Center. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) So apparently, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so I do that. And um, I do paint a little bit as well. Um, 
but uh, the, and so that's been great. I do. I'm a member at the Landlock Gallery in Blackstone now, so you oh, can you can always you. find pieces there if you're interested. You're fancy. And I and I uh, last year one of the pandemic pandemic perks <laughs> that could be a series <laughs> um, hey. was hmm. that I, I I put together a website of my stuff, so you don't have to just go to Instagram to try oh, to good. find me. What is it? What is your pedestrianperks.com? Oh, there you go, pedestrianperks.com. You can see what Becca does in her spare time. And I got to tell you, yeah. I, th- I love the way you frame your photos. Thank you. I think that's really the part of it that catches, that makes it what it is. Thank you. So, Becca, you've got so many talents. I'm sorry that our time is ending. We haven't even talked about your lovely husband, mm-hmm. but that's another show. We'll bring him on sometime. Yeah, we'll talk to him sometime. Last question for you. Where do you see yourself for the next five years? Uh, probably sitting at this mic anytime <laughs> it snows so much that our volunteers can't get here. Okay. Um, no, just really, um, hopefully catapulting us into the next dimension with, um, with radio talking book service and being of service to my community here in this studio. And, um, every time I'm walking with intention. Well, very good. I know Ryan and I are both looking forward to being part of this ride with you. So thank you so much for your time today. You've been listening to Community Conversations, and that was our Executive Director Extraordinaire, Becca Jurdy. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Cammie. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you. You've been listening to Community Conversations on Radio Talking Book. It's the interview program that brings you voices from the Omaha community. The Radio Talking Book Network is brought to you with the cooperation of KIOS-FM in Omaha and statewide through the facilities of NET Radio and Television. We've been proudly serving our blind and visually impaired listeners for 46 years. Thank you for being a loyal Radio Talking Book listener and supporter.